Welcome to the Cookbook Circle Podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. We're two friends with a shared love of food, cooking, and all things cookbooks. We are now in the third season of this podcast. And this one is all about, well, not really anything in particular. We are themeless. So you can expect deep dives on certain dishes, reviews of cookbooks, of course, but there'll be new cookbooks, old cookbooks, all sorts of cookbooks. And of course, we'll be asking you, our lovely listeners, for some input on episodes that we're going to do. It's going to be so It's going to be so fun. Fun. And if you love what we do, we're also on Patreon. This means if you'd like to support us, your subscription will help to cover the podcast costs from the books themselves to the ingredients for what we cook. And in return, you'll get some fun stuff like bonus mini-sodes. To find out more, visit our website, thecookbookcircle.com, or you can find the link in our show notes. Thanks, friends. Now, let's get to the fun part. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Victoria. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I am very excited because it's not just you and me on the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Ooh, how exciting. Uh, we are thrilled to be talking to Sophie Godwin, author of Sunday's Cookbook, um, and who's a really experienced cook and recipe developer and cookbook writer so we are thrilled to talk all things food with you hi sophie hi guys i'm thrilled to be here how are you doing yeah i'm doing good thank you nice weather yeah chipper had my grapefruit for breakfast all good yeah Yeah. with some peanut butter toast not just grapefruit just (laughs) just just (laughs) a grapefruit is a bleak breakfast (laughs) (laughs) that would be a bleak breakfast do you Add any anything on onto the grapefruit for your like a sugar on the top, or just is it straight up? No, I just like it straight up. Um, but maybe that's because with the peanut butter. If I was eating on its own, I'd have sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. just got back from Barbados last week, and we did a food tour, and they took us to all these like food markets where we tried all the local fruit, and it was all horrendously like sour. It was like it was like. Uh, those gobstopper sweets or something and the texture was really weird really weird but they put salt on all their fruit basically so you like buy your little bag of fruit and then they have a little salt thing on the stall and you just like get the salt and you like sprinkle it in oh, I I love that. it didn't fully improve the taste I wouldn't say but it was like it made it more interesting <laughs> it was a weird vibe but yeah I don't think salt on grapefruit is the is the one is it it's oh, all I just like too... it, I feel like it could be I feel like have you ever seen that, that video this is going to be an incredibly weird little segue here but um there's a there's a video because um Rihanna famous mm-hmm. uh recording artist yeah. is Barbadian, right? She's from Barbadian. Barbadian or Barbadian. Bayesian, I learned. Bayesian, yeah, yeah, okay. And I saw a video or a picture of her once, like with a, a fresh mango, and then she's like <laughs> dipping it in the sea to eat it so it gets the salt. Like she's like washing it in the sea, but also dipping it. And that's apparently because it gets the, the salty salt water on it, and then like you're, you're biting into it. And I was like, that's. That's clever. That's that. Yeah, you know, you what? don't have to leave the beach to eat your mango. <laughs> what is your algorithm or search term that that's the content that you are getting, <laughs> Rihanna? Rihanna, you'll Rihanna. never know. You can prize it from my cold dead hands. <laughs> Celebrities eating fruit. <laughs> Look, everybody's got a kink. <laughs> That's not mine. Uh, <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on fruit, though? Do you know what you can ask us what our kink was? <laughs> I That's, like, wow. <laughs> That's a different podcast. <laughs> Cookbook circle after hours. <laughs> What's our thought on fruit? I mean, I like yeah. fruit, but it's <laughs> it has to be. We bang on a lot on this podcast about like tomatoes and how they're shit in winter and like. You, you end up eating like loads of crap that's out of season and it just doesn't taste anything like it should. And it's the same for a lot of fruit, especially in the UK, right? I feel yeah. like you just end up yeah. eating a lot of apples. Yeah. I just also, I don't know, like, 
Okay, for me, like if I went around someone's house and they served you fruit and yogurt out of the pudding, I honestly think it is so depressing. Like, <laughs> would you not just give me a square of chocolate? Like, it's I don't know. Fruit. I'm just not that into fruit. You know? <laughs> yeah, know. Fruit and yogurt as a pudding is not acceptable. No, it's not also, acceptable. There's no texture there. Like, what? Where's the Ugh. texture? It's all the same. It's mu- it's baby no. food. That's baby food. Yeah, agreed. Oh. I'm like, just get out, get out a chocolate bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or at least like roast it or do something interesting yeah. to it, like cook it in sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think that. Um, I think that we are in this country, England, we are a slave to like nice looking fruit, but bad tasting fruit. I feel like it does. Mm. It never tastes like I, I feel like I don't really like mangoes, for example, because I've never eaten like a good one. I've never eaten a nice one that's actually come, you know, from somewhere good. I feel like it's always just like these horrible like packaged ones from M&S or whatever and I just feel like I don't really like it but I know <laughs> it's in the sea I, yeah. yeah I need I need to go to Barbados <laughs> yeah. and dip it in the sea is that uh, why you're so like that... longingly looking at Rihanna eating one <laughs> yeah I've actually got a picture <laughs> I have <laughs> anyway. um, but <laughs> but we digress <laughs> as usual um so as you know, dear listener, what we would usually do uh, when we are talking about a cookbook or a chef or an author is we one of us would give a little overview of their uh, career, life, their interests. But luckily for us, we have Sophie here today who can do that herself. That's <laughs> yeah, reading from the Wikipedia page. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I guess, Sophie... First off, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into food and cooking and recipe development and writing? All of those yeah, things. Of course. All the, all, yeah. the, all the great things. <laughs> um, so I actually did history and English at uni, um, which I kind of realised in the second year of doing it that I didn't want to, I wanted to be in food, but I also loved my degree. Like, yeah. When are you ever going to be stupidly hungover speaking about Cold War fiction on a Wednesday morning? Like, never again in your life are people so interested in it. So, basically, I was like, whatever, this is just, you know, fun. Yeah. Um, and then there was this cafe bistro in Sheffield where I went to uni um, called Marmajukes. And I used to, like, it was, I loved it. And I basically just went in there after uni and said, um, I've got no experience, but I don't suppose you'd give me a job in the kitchen with you. <laughs> Um, and they're a family-owned business, and the dad, Tim, was like, yeah, I'm sure you can come and try. So anyway, I then um, started working there, and then I worked there for a year and a half as a chef in the kitchen. Wow. And the um, head chef um, basically was, he was just so wonderful. He just took me under his wing, and this was like 10 years ago right this is like when Ostlengi Jerusalem's just come out right. and this cafe we're cooking like ve- like mad vegetarian food which is also like in the middle of Sheffield like it's it was quite like for its time it was pretty um out, out there mm-hmm. like it was you know I'd never used like beetroot in this way or carrots or anything like this and I was just like constantly being inspired by um everything we we're cooking in the cafe um, and then essentially that was kind of the starting point where I was like, right, okay, this is what I want to do as my job. Nice. It doesn't cool. sound like the typical, you know, starting in a kitchen can be really intimidating and it can be oh, a yeah. bit of a baptism of fire. But that sounds like it was a nice, like, learning, nurturing environment. More of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I mean, there was obviously like, you know, when I got put on like Sunday morning egg service and I was like the only one like poaching, frying, scrambling all the eggs. But I don't know, I think that's kind of then when I realised that I wanted to do it as a job because I actually love the buzz of it. Mm. It's like almost baptism of fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Oh, and then how did you get yeah. into... Like, yeah, how did you move on to, like, recipe development and and cooking for vet? Because you've worked for M- Mob, is that right? Yeah. Um, so then after I worked in the cafe and I was like, right, okay, I'm definitely sure that I want to work in food. Um, I was like, right, I'm going to move to London. And then I went and did a hideously expensive cookery course, which... <laughs> 
um, was um, leaves by caveat, caveating that and said that um, unfortunately my mum died when I was so small, so I used the money from that to um, go to the cooking course. But mm. it's one of those things where I always feel a bit weird about it because it has got two groups of people. You either have some people who have, like saved their entire lives <laughs> and they're there to like start off their new career, or you have some people who are basically being sent there kind of as because their parents don't really know what to do with them and they're like might be doing a ski season you know so it's quite a yeah mix. it's quite a mix of people yeah um but um essentially was the best thing ever because at the time that I went they offered a three month um internship at BBC Good Food so you all had to apply and then there was kind of um one person would get the job for ah. three months at Good Food and wow. when I was there, yeah, it was an unbelievable. And it was like one of the reasons why I was like, oh, this would be amazing to go. And um, yes, yeah, so I got down to the final, like four of us. And then really amazingly got the internship at Good Food. Wow. And yeah, it was amazing. And then they um, actually kept me on as a food writer after the internship. So um, I was then there for three and a half years. So that then started the whole food writing journey. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, it was amazing. but And then I left there like seven years ago because I was basically still catering on the side because I love the food writing, but I've always been like half chefing, half writing. I feel like one informs the other and also mm. just a bit of variety. I don't know. I love like, I actually love actually cooking for people. Like I always want to do that as well as writing. Um, so then I left to become freelance. And then mm. that's when I essentially started writing for other people. Wow. Yeah. What was yeah. what was like a day-to-day -day like when you were at BBC Good Food then? Were you developing recipes or was it more like writing content or yeah, what what was your kind of role there? So when you start off, you are a recipe tester. So you basically get all of the recipes for the month in the magazine. And then your day job is to test all of them and make sure that they work. Like do, do the, are the flavours good? Like, are the timings correct? Mm. Are the ingredients accessible? And it's a, for me, it was, like, incredible because you're testing recipes from, like, um, chefs and recipe writers from around the world. Like, it's different flavours I've never tried before, different techniques. And you also get really good at recipe writing because I always say beef to good food, like, honed my writing skills because essentially they're so strict in their parameters and everything is tested, like, triple tested. So you you learn like you know 400 gram tin is for two people serving and kind of these kind of very rudimentary but quite um key things for actually recipe writing um and then once I'd done that for probably about a year they then um let me have like my first recipe in the magazine um wow which was obviously buzzing um, yeah. and then moved forward for that yeah exactly <laughs> What do you remember yeah <laughs> same <laughs> question <laughs> it was a sweet potato spinach lentil dal nice so one lovely so put it all together and then and uh, so yeah it's really cool oh that's <laughs> awesome and then yeah. you uh have written ghost written a number of cookbooks Right. And I'm yeah. sure that you might be under some kind of NDA to not be able to tell us which ones. Um, <laughs> but if you can share, that would be great. Um, but how how was that in terms of um, like your, I guess, the process of it and working with the chef? And um, that must be quite different to write, obviously writing and testing your own recipes and, and things like that. So how, how does that work? So I think working at Good Food really prepares yourself for that because essentially when you're writing recipes for magazine format, you'll all have this meeting at the beginning of the month and it'll be like a pitch for the main feature, which maybe it's a barbecue feature in the summer or, you know, a, a twist on something. And then after that, there's kind of allocated features like they always need midweek meals, they always need weekends, they always need veggie, etc. Mm -hmm. So you're always working within a brief, which essentially is what ghostwriting is. So like you'll have someone come to you and be like, right we want all of these recipes to be ready in under 15 minutes and they need to have 10 ingredients so then that's your starting point and then I know I find that quite creatively stimulating like sometimes the kind of weirder the brief actually the more your brain has to think because yeah. you can't just be like oh I'll just make anything you have to be a lot more strict and that's quite exciting so it kind of depends on the client but 
you know, they'll always give you a top line brief. And then some people like to be involved for the whole process, mm. whereas others kind of say then you write and test them and then you just hand it over at the end. Nice. That is yeah. so cool. But yeah. did that then kind of, did all that kind of ghostwriting then just make you think, okay, I'm ready to do my own at this point. I've, I've done all the practice <laughs> that one can do to prepare for your own cookbook. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I think like when I first um, started pitching my own cookbook, I was still such a ghostwriter because the idea of then having a project which you then kind of sell yourself, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to kind of you, you do it you and then you give it away and then it's like their kind of thing. So I don't know, I had to really get into what's my voice. And obviously I'd already established that because some people say like, oh, I know when it's your recipe because you've got a certain style of writing, but that's only people who like really know me. Like, mm. you know, I've like written like 15 books for other people. So it's wow. not, wow. yeah. So, um, so I don't know, but then there was a point where I was like, no, come on, Sophie, you can do this. This is, <laughs> I don't know, it was more of a confidence thing than anything. Cause I had all these recipes and I remember um, actually go, working on a project and then I just thought do you know what I'm not going to give them that recipe and that was the first time that I'd thought that way as opposed to being like okay all my best creative ideas I'll hand over I was mm. like, actually no I'm going to keep that one and then I think maybe that was a trigger to be like mm, yeah you're ready to write your own yeah. oh that's uh oh, well done that, that's so cool and I think um we're gonna talk obviously about your book which is called Sundays which is great. We both have it here. Um, and like, in my opinion, I, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know what book got books you've kind of go through it, but there is so much influence in this book in terms of like different cultures and different ingredients. And, you know, there's, there's Chinese recipes, there's, there's dal, there's, uh, you know, there's tacos, there's all that kind of stuff. And I feel like probably all that stuff that you got from, testing all those recipes for your uh ghostwriting and your ghostwriting career has been like super useful it just means that this book I think is very uh eclectic has an eclectic mix it doesn't yeah. fit into a certain um genre I guess of, of meal yeah no I think yeah I think that makes sense I don't know I feel like I do get inspired from everywhere mm. around the world, but then they're all kind of like very much my take on it. Yeah. So I don't have any authenticity on like what the best taco is going to be. But I know that if you put a fried egg and a tortilla with some charred chipotle tomato, it's going to be banging. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. But yeah, oh, yeah. But with the ghostwriting, I can give like some of them. Um, I had to write five, five books for Heinz and I had to write a whole book on baked beans once. So. <laughs> there you go. How um, was that? So. <laughs> Do you know what? It was actually really fun. But the worst thing about it was because I was food styling the book, I was like, how do you make anything not look like beans? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never before thought oh god this whole book is just gonna look so beady <laughs> how many cans of beans do you think you had in your house during that time? Oh, oh so many <laughs> did, you yeah. do, did you do anything like really obscure like blitz I think I've seen a recipe where they like blitz up some beans and put them in a cake or something oh, no. <laughs> I think I did like protein that. <laughs> a green pie because I was like right I need something which doesn't look beanie so like it was like a cheesy beanie pie with like broccoli mash on top because I was like at least it looks visually a bit yeah <laughs> have you eaten baked beans since yeah I actually still love baked beans <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, I'm not testament to your recipe <laughs> so, yeah, that's amazing um yeah. did you want to Tell us a little bit about your book, Sundays. What's the concept? Uh, how, yeah, how does it work as a cookbook? Um, tell us everything. Yeah. yeah, so Sundays is, as Tyler suggests, all about cooking and eating on a Sunday. So I know this is like one of my favourite days of the week, just because usually it's the day that I just slow down. Mm -hmm. And I'm quite like, I'm quite a busy, like hyperactive person, always rushing around. So I don't know, Sunday is the day where I'm a bit more kind of chilled. Um, but I also think that your Sundays, they 
dependent on what your week's been, your Saturday, etc. So all of the chapters are separated by kind of eating occasions. You can kind of choose what you want to eat in that moment. So you've got Sunday brunching, because who doesn't want to eat breakfast at any time? And you have exactly then you want slow sundays they're just kind of like bang it in the oven and forget about it vibes um we have sundays after big saturdays it's like your carby like big bowls of pasta don't that you the kind of really comforting chapter um we have sunday research so these recipes only serve two because the idea being is that i know like a lot of my friends like if they're having a sunday night for themselves may want to cook something which makes them feel great um, but then they can eat it for lunch on Monday so that's why they've served two just so they were easier if you're cooking for yourself um, Sunday feasting which is when you have your mates over and this I took um, inspiration from my catering work so um, each feast of six people and there's kind of a bring it together section so you cook it as if you were chefing so you don't kind of cook one dish and then think oh my god I've forgotten all the size you can kind of start it like that and then finally the puddings because obviously who doesn't want a bit of cake on a Sunday? <laughs> the puddings Amazing. in particular are really fun. I think they like yeah. really caught my eye. They're just like the pretzels and the blondies and then yeah, it's just loads of really like miso popcorn cereal squares. I love all that stuff. It's like yeah, we don't need any more like Victoria sponges in our lives. These are like a yeah. bit more creative and fun. I really like that. And I think that, yeah, like the miso popcorn cereal squares, they're on my want to make list. I feel like that's also they last, they will last all week, right? Like you make oh, them yeah. on a Saturday and like you just, they're just there to munch on all week. Yeah. And they're super easy. They're literally like cereal squares, but just a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Bit of something extra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we talk about this Kinder chocolate cake for a second? Which oh, yeah. It looks absolutely <laughs> insane. It's got like Kinder Buenos on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's incredible is that like a is that like a favorite of yours have you made it for mates and they've just like loved it yeah exactly and um, I've made that chocolate cake recipe I had a version I've had a version of that for years and then that's kind of it's like the chocolate cake that I always go to so um, and then um the uh, Swiss mang buttercream if you add Nutella to it honestly I can't tell you how delicious it is it's literally <laughs> like crap it's it's insane yeah exactly. they um it looks like do you do they still make those kinder happy hippo things in the little the tiny little guys oh, yeah do they? I think they do yeah they're like my absolute favorite thing mm. those and like the little Malteser bunnies are my oh yeah oh my bark. god those Malteser mm. bunnies <laughs> Which are yeah. now- also the Milky Stars. You remember them? Yeah, Milky yes. Stars were good. Mm, I do like those. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any particular like favourite recipes in the books? What are your kind of ones that are have been maybe a bit of a labour of love, or you kind of make like every week? Do you? Yeah, are there any particular ones that stand out for you? Um, well, I love the Indian aubergine parmigiana because that was something that we just. We, cook, we actually cooked it once at one of our supper clubs and then it went down so well. And now whenever I do an, a parmigiana, I do that just because it's just so spicy and delicious. Um, and then I love the, I mean, I do love the breakfast tacos. They're absolutely delicious. Um, yeah. The chipotle pork shoulder with the charred store and flatbreads is banging. And um, there's like... In the reset chapter, I'd say that's like a lot of me. Like there's like a, um, an aubergine bowl with like a green yogurt um, kind of dressing and then sort of cashews and like so delicious. So my dad's macaroni cheese, having that tonight actually. Nice. And <laughs> um, how does it feel when you release your cookbook and it's like out in the wild? Like, yeah, what's that day like? Are you then like just watching like Instagram to see if anyone's cooking your stuff? What, yeah, what's that kind of feeling once it's out in the wild? Yeah, it was quite, it was quite nerve wracking. It was, it was very exciting though. I got to the point where I was absolutely buzzing about it yeah. because I actually had a really amazing phone call with um, like another chef and she was like, you've just got to own it. You've literally got to promote the shit out of it. And I was like, okay. Um, and I don't know, when it came out and everyone was being so kind and supportive, it was amazing. Although I do remember we had absolutely shoddy internet connections. <laughs> I didn't know what anyone's saying. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but it was so, it was really good. Oh. Do, you, do you feel like there's any recipes that you're seeing a lot of people making that are kind of resonating with 
people or is it a bit of a mix of everything? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Actually, um, people are going for a bit more. It's like lots of people made the key lime meringue pie, which I was quite surprised about because it's a bit more of a complex bake. But I suppose it looks really impressive. And if you like baking, um, a lot of the uh, roasted cauliflower potato curry with garlic naan croutons, loads of that. Yeah. Uh, quite a lot of spicy sausage nudes. Yeah, it's a kind of it's mixed. But honestly, that is the best feeling. Like when someone sends a picture of them having made something I just I can't even it's so nice yeah yeah that feedback is so important isn't it like we we feel the same about like we get so many nice messages about this or comments and and like you I think people take for granted that you you just know it's good or that like that you're happy with like the product but I think people can underrate how important that feedback is so Everybody, if you yeah. cook from Sophie's book, just let her know, okay? Let her know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's also like the reason for doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's why I loved ghostwriting for so long because if I'm writing recipes for Mob, like so many people are going to cook them, you know? Yeah. So like you know that that's, that's ultimately as a recipe writer what you're aiming for. So to see that happen, but actually people cooking stuff from your own book, it's just kind of like doubly as exciting because, you know, if someone even cooks recipe from BBC Good Food, I get buzzed about that because I'm just thinking, you know, you're making yourself something nice for dinner. How great. Yeah. 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 I remember talking to like a young chef once and she was just saying how, she was like, this is why we're all in it, isn't it? Like we just cook to make people love us. (laughs) Cook to make people (laughs) like us. And I was like... Yeah, that's probably true, actually. Like, it's like everyone who loves to cook is just, like, showing their love through the form of food. Um, But, yeah, I just, I think it's great. It's got, like, such variety. I was really, um, I'm veggie, so when I was, like, yeah, browsing through, there was loads of stuff that I was really excited about. The banana bread looks really good as well. Mm. I really like the idea of the cheddar and the chili jam. Oh, crouton yeah. salad I thought that looked really That's good yeah. yeah do you have a particular chili jam that you like mm, I just I think I just go to the Sainsbury's one nice accessible yeah. we like that accessible. <laughs> <laughs> um so at this point in the podcast usually we talk about what we've made so Victoria mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you I'm putting you on the spot what did you make from Sundays <laughs> um so I I made two things, but just to say also, I have made the peanut butter doll, but I won't talk about that, um, but it's great. Um, <laughs> but that was the first thing I made from there. And I also topped it and I'll send you a photo, Sophie, because I oh, topped yeah, it with, because um, it has like a taka and I ate it with tomatoes that I'd grown myself and chili that I'd grown myself. And I felt like a real good homesteading adult that's amazing <laughs> who's that cheesy um, american chef the pioneer woman or something the pioneer woman yeah you bristol's answer to the pioneer um, <laughs> <laughs> um so i made two things the first one of them uh i i really fucked up on because <laughs> um, but i'll tell you about that after and it's absolutely my fault for being um an idiot and not understanding shapes um but <laughs> we'll get to that the first thing i made was the cumin lamb pappardelle yeah yeah um i saw that and i was like that's gonna be a huge hit in my house and uh love it but i'm a big i'm a noodle girl love noodles mm-hmm. um so it's like a like you you said in the 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 intro like it's a playful nod to biang biang noodles which uh i feel like it's one of those things that like if you know what that is you know but if not it's it's also fine because you get you get it from the picture and from the thing so it's like they're like flat generally flat noodles you get like chinese restaurants with yeah like cumin yeah cumin chinese cumin lamb hook it up to my veins what a dream i love it um and I love this recipe. So what you do is you toast up some uh, spices, so cumin seeds, coriander seeds, and peppercorns, and then put those into a uh, pestle and mortar and kind of bash them up with some salt. And then you then cook uh, some lamb mints. And I loved the way you had had us cook this so it's like you kind of just put lamb mints in a hot pan and kind of break it up and then just cook it until it's like brown and like crispy and it's just not a normal 
I think, way that you would think about cooking lamb and because it's, you know, you use lamb for its, like, slow cooking or its tenderness. And so mm. getting that, like, crispy, but it's so flavorful. Um, loved that. Uh, and then you add... Da, 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 da. Oh, you grate in garlic and ginger to the lamb and yes. then the crushed spices and mix that all up and then you kind of take it off the heat. Oh, you add some soy sauce as well. Take it off the heat and then leave it in a bowl to the side. And then you cook your, you start to cook your like parpadelle. Um, there was a dried flat pasta shortage in Bristol when I was cooking this. I was like, I couldn't find any. But pappardelle is like stu- stupidly hard to find sometimes. Yeah. Like it's, even though it's so great, like it's one of the best mm. pastas. Sometimes like the main supermarkets don't have it. It's no, no, I, I definitely used, I had to use tagliatelle in the end and a fresh, yeah. I had to use a fresh one. Oh, <laughs> um, <please>. I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was literally, it was just, the shelves were bare for Ugh. long flat pasta. Anyway, so you cook that. And then whilst you're doing that, you get your pan that you've already used on a really hot heat and uh, cook some Chinese cabbage and some spring onions. Oh, in, nice. Yeah, till, yeah, until they're like soft. Yeah. And then you add back your meat and you'll see your spiced lamb lovely 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 and then you cook your pasta for like until it's like kind of extra al dente right like a um yeah one minute less than the cooking time and then you add your pasta into the meat and mix it mix it up and then melt in some butter and then black rice vinegar or balsamic whatever you have and crispy chili oil Hannah's favourite. Obviously, eat lamb, but that is your favourite. And serve, mix it all up, and serve it. This was so good. Oh, oh, I really, really loved it. Like it was such. It was not something that I would usually cook. Or I've ever cooked before, but these like flavours are ones I love. I always, if I go to a you know very kind of. Uh, a you know traditional Chinese restaurant always order lamb skewers if they're on the menu so this like cumin oh it was great and frankly very easy and a great way to like use lamb in a different way so I loved it and everyone was a really big fan and we ate an awful lot of this (laughs) (laughs) that's four and there was only two of us eating it and uh it did it did not stay around yeah that is great I think that you mentioned the vinegar at the end I think that's something that really stood out to me was like you always use a good like balance of acid which I think can be missing from loads of other recipes that feels like something that you've probably just like learned over the years of developing recipes that just makes such a difference right yeah and also I just I think you always need that balance like I love like a bit of acid yeah Do, do have you read salt fat acid heat or do you have a copy so I haven't read it, but I watched her um, show and thought it was incredible. It's great. Yeah. We yeah we reviewed that yeah. book on the podcast. It was like there's not like tons of recipes in it, but there's loads of like the theory and like breakdown of like different types of all of those things, and um, it's just great. It's, we love it's her. A, yeah, it's a great book. I should look at it more. Um, <laughs> okay, so the second thing and my. <laughs> how I mess this up I'm actually really embarrassed that you're I'm having to tell you how badly I no, I didn't I didn't badly mess this up so I made the andouille parmigiana oh, yeah. uh, because you mentioned it and yeah. uh before and I was like that sounds great and then it also in your uh like yeah in the intro it you say how it like this is what caught the eye of your agent when you were pitching the book and I was like yes and I had some andouille in the cupboard <laughs> As and I was do. like, I, do, I didn't know what I was going to use it for. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I love it. Um, and I loved a, I love a baked anything. Anything that looks like that when it comes out the oven, like crispy yeah. top. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, so I'll, 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 you know, I'll keep you all waiting for my how I mess this up. Uh, but so essentially I'm so intrigued you make... how this relates to shapes, by the way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just use like a triangular pan or something. Just... I don't understand. I don't. I'm. I'm good at maths generally, but clearly, 
I don't understand instructions. And anyway, just let me get, I'll I'll talk about the the general thing because it's absolutely delicious. So you essentially make a, like a delicious, like andouille tomato-y sauce, right? And that's, so shallots, 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 you cook (laughs) shallots, you add, um, then you add your andouille and kind of melt that in and then add, uh, garlic and basil stalks and then you add some tomato paste and then plum tomatoes from uh, a tin and you kind of make that sauce and let it cook away for, for 30 minutes delicious love that um, and then you get lots of aubergines <laughs> and wow. you uh, cut because a parmigiana is a bit like a lasagna style right like a baked yeah. thing and exactly. I don't know if it's because I've got just, you know, a lot going on in my life or uh, because I'm just like stupid. But for some reason, I thought when it said like <laughs> slice the aubergines lengthways, essentially I was supposed to cut them into like sheets like yeah. a lasagna, but I cut them into matchsticks because I'm an idiot. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> because in my head, I was like, lengthways? Yeah, that's... that's... I must oh, interesting. <laughs> they oh, were no. long. Yeah. Um, so, so instead of, like, lovely sheets, <laughs> I had, uh, like, strips of Oshie. Um But look, it all tasted delicious. <laughs> but I was just like and I didn't even realize until like later in the day I was just sitting I was sitting around and I was like that was wrong wasn't it that was wrong and I think um like I said like there's there's something in my brain that just doesn't comprehend like what words like in terms of shapes and stuff like mean and like my spatial awareness and I did it like our last episode was with um we did Molly Bass's new book and there's a, I made this leek pizza and she asked you to like cut these leeks in a certain way and then do this. And, and I like, honestly, I had to get her video up to understand like how she wanted me to cut this leek. Um, and I think that's just because I'm dumb. But anyway, no. so with oh, your, no, it's not. <laughs> with your aubergine, you, uh, you then kind of uh, fry your aubergine in uh, a pan so that it's uh, with with some no you put your aubergine in a bowl right and you salt it mm. and uh, like let some of the water come out and then you add a load of oil to the aubergine which is something that I've never done before when cooking aubergine uh, rather than the pan so adding it to to the aubergine in the bowl rather than the pan and then you cook uh, that off over a high oh. heat so it's like golden and, and charred on both sides. Nice. Um, sometimes when you put oil in the pan to cook aubergine, it just like like sucks yeah, it all get, up, yeah, it soaks it up so much. Yeah, you just use a little bit less oil. You still use a lot of oil, but it's less than if it's just in the pan. Yeah, yes. that's smart. Yeah. Um, I also because I had uh, <laughs> long sticks of aubergine, <laughs> I did uh, put some of them in the air fryer to char up. Oh, nice. Um, great. I did like half and half. Because I was like, this is going to speed up the process of my million matchsticks. Of, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's going really well. Anyway, so that, so whilst you're doing all this with the aubergines, your uh, your sauce is cooking down, and then uh, you uh, take your sauce off the heat. You kind of uh, season it. Um, I did. You put in here, which I really liked, adding a pinch of sugar if needed. And I was like. Yes, I think it does need that because I think uh, it just depends on your tomatoes, right? Like, oh. what, you know, the brand and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I did add um, some sugar and then you build the parmigiana. So it's um, a layer of the tom- the lovely tomato sauce and then uh, a layer of your aubergines, which should be flat sheets, um, and then more sauce and then basil leaves, like whole basil leaves, nice. uh, pear tears mm-hmm. chunks of like teared mozzarella and like a, a kind of dusting of parmesan and then like, you repeat that for as much as you've got and then a really nice thick layer on the top of uh, parmesan and uh i thought you said stick for... layer that's why i laughed <laughs> we just I mean, all my layers were stick layers. <laughs> <laughs> um 
And then um, you put it in the oven for about 30 minutes at 180 until it's like all bubbly and, and crispy on top. Mm. And then you leave it to uh, sit for five minutes after it comes out. And then you serve. And the taste is so good. Like it really, really is. Like I, I, we ate it that night. Um, and then I, there was quite a lot left over. So I put, actually put it in like, uh, like a pitta the next day. I made like a fun sandwich mm, out of it. Oh. Uh, cause it was, it was, it was great. And like the flavors just develop and that andouille mm. just hits. And yes, it's absolutely lovely. I really, really liked it. And I love anything that goes crispy on top. Um, I cooked it actually in my cast iron pan like at my raw cast iron because i that's the best one i have for that kind of thing um and it just it just went it was great i nice. i loved it and yeah i ate it the next day with and it you know frankly it didn't didn't make any difference that i'd done matched it instead of <laughs> yeah. this. exactly they'll do as they're told um i also <laughs> liked that you have like a veggie option for it. So you said oh, nice. take the anduja out uh, and do out and sub for one to te- two teaspoons of chili flakes and a tablespoon of balsamic vinegar instead. That's uh, great. And the, the parmesan. Oh, but also for anyone listening who lives uh, in the UK or a place where they have it, M&S do a vegan anduja. Yeah, so it's now out and so did Blue Zoo. So, I, so it wasn't when the cookbook was written. They didn't have that, but yeah, it's called like veg, 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 <laughs> Oh God, they need to stop with the vegan, yeah. like play, yeah, play some yeah. words. Oh, but it's actually really good. Is it? That's so oh, yeah. interesting. Because I feel like this is something I've been missing out on. Obviously, MD has been like popular yeah. the last couple of years. Ooh. So yeah, I'd re- I would actually really recommend because we, like I've tried some and it's actually banging. Ooh. Oh yeah, it's a terrible name. But yeah, really good product. <laughs> they can <laughs> workshop it. Yeah, um, I think that. Do you know what it? Before we ask kind of what you take, do you know what it really reminded me of? Or like the the flavors were the same. If you've ever cooked um, Alison Roman's shallot pasta, which has got like she like cooks like tomato paste and anchovies with like loads of shallots, and just makes that into a paste, and then like she puts it. So it's like a. Uh, I feel like it's an, an elevated version of that, the sauce, like that sort of, and we love that in our house. We eat it all the time. So um, I yeah. love that one. Like the, you know, the, that, yeah, loved it. Anyway. Oh, thank you. Hannah, <laughs> what did you make? I also made two things. Uh, one of them you've already mentioned, it was the peanut butter dal with tomato broccoli burger. <laughs> um, I love a dal. And we we did an episode recently for our Patreon members on like the meals that we just cook midweek that you just don't need a recipe for. You just like use whatever you have in the cupboard. And dal was one of mine. But then I never thought to put peanut butter in it. And I was just very excited by this. Um, we're such peanut butter fans on this for anything with peanut butter we're like let's we're gonna do that one (laughs) yeah it's yeah like crack um so this is with split red lentils um and you rinse them off first what I really like as well your steps I think they're really clear sometimes in cookbooks sometimes the steps like one step actually has about seven steps (laughs) and I think this book is really good at just like breaking them down into really clear ones um so I really like that about this book uh so you rinse your lentils grate in put them in a pan um grate in some ginger and garlic cumin turmeric and salt and then some water and then you bring that to the boil and simmer away for like half an hour until most of the water is absorbed and then you make your tarka so I didn't grow my vegetables for this sorry (laughs) (laughs) so you slice onion ginger garlic and broccoli cut that in half um and you fry your onion with some salt soften that and then add in your broccoli and a splash of water so that kind of steams the broccoli which is great and then you kind of heat, turn up the heat till so that, and cook for a bit longer so that 
onion is quite soft and kind of sticky and delicious. And then you add in your whole spices. So I really like that you you kind of just say use whatever you have, but you've um, suggested cumin, coriander, mustard and onion seeds. I think I did actually have all of those. But everyone just has like a store cupboard full of <laughs> spices <laughs> dying to use. So um, I like that this just a bit of creativity there and you can just use whatever you have and then you add in um whole spices ginger garlic and then um the whole cherry tomatoes and kind of fry it all till the broccoli is nice and tender take that off and season it and that's your tarka for the top and then your dal's kind of ready on the side I think it's really good as well both recipes that I cooked you're kind of like you start this thing leave that to cook go off and do your other things so it all feels really just doable sometimes I, I think like things aren't phased right in recipes mm. and you're like oh I could have been doing that well that pasta was bloody cooking or whatever um so once your dad's cooked then you stir in peanut butter I used chunky because mm. as far as I'm concerned that's all that shouldn't exist yeah. <laughs> um squeeze in lime juice Again, your acid, so that's really good. And then you slice some chili and then you just serve it up. So you put the dal into bowls and you top with the tarka, spoon over all the oils and spices and then the chili and eat with a naan if you're hungry. And it was just great. I really, really liked it. That peanut butter just adds like a certain like creaminess, doesn't it? It's just that bit extra. It's delicious. And then you get a crunchy pop of peanuts from time to time. You're like, mm. I know. I served <laughs> it to my boyfriend and I like didn't tell him that he's also like a big fan of peanut butter. And I like didn't tell him that there was peanut butter in there. And he was like, this is really good. Like, And then the next day I was like, you know that there was peanut butter in there? He's like, that's why it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm just going to put peanut butter in everything now and not tell you. It's like my secret ingredient. <laughs> Um, but that was delicious. And I feel like, yeah, it's just a great midweek or or Sunday, you know, <laughs> but not, if yeah. you feel like making it on a Wednesday, it's a great one. Um, exactly. And really quick and delicious. So I love that. Um, as did Vic, obviously. Yeah, um, I loved it. I made it for lunch <laughs> one day, like, oh, yeah, like during work, like as in during my lunch break at work, uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's so quick. Um, loved it. And I think... Uh, I also gave my son a little bit of the the dal, and he liked it as well because you know, of course he likes peanut yeah. butter because he's yours. Basically, yeah, he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> a tarka makes such a difference to a dal as well, right? Like, just... oh yeah, definitely, yeah. And then the second thing I made was in the reset section, and that was the pea feta and hazelnut risotto. Very nice, yeah. <laughs> So this love looks, the risotto. I love a risotto. I really do. Mm. I've made ones for the podcast before. And they are just like my ultimate comfort food. And I think making a risotto is really mindful because you have to stand Agreed. at the hob and just stir it. And oh, it's great. But what's lovely, I love the hazelnut addition to this for some crunch. Um, I think that just makes all the difference. So this was really easy as well. Um, so you toast your hazelnuts, you weigh out some frozen peas and kind of set them aside to defrost. You chop a shallot or a shallot, as Vic now apparently says, <laughs> or an <laughs> onion um, and kind of cook that down with some salt, chop some garlic. Um, you chop your toasted hazelnuts and you pick your mint then you add your garlic into the onions and you tip in the rice so that it gets coated and all that lovely, delicious flavour. Toast that and then you pour in some white wine. Um, and then when the wine's been absorbed, you add in your stock, which your vegetable stock, which you have on the side, kind of boiling and simmering away. Um, and you, yeah, like a typical risotto kind of keep stirring, adding ladle by ladle until it's all absorbed and the rice is kind of nice and tender, but still with a bit of texture. But the fun part to this is when you, what you do with your peas. So I've made pea risottos before and I think I've always just been really lazy and I plop them into the stock that's boiling on the side so that they just kind of cook and then you're just like lumping them into the risotto. But actually by the time by the time you're serving, they've like withered into within an inch of their lives and it's not very fresh tasting. So I love this approach where you blend half of the peas with a tablespoon of vinegar and mint, loads of salt and pepper and some water. So you make this lovely like bright green puree 
Um, and then once the rice is kind of cooked, you stir through that pea puree and the other half of or the remaining whole peas as well. So you've got like peas two ways. Um, <laughs> you grate in your parmesan and season, add a bit more vinegar if you like, which I thought was great because I've never added vinegar into a risotto. And again, we love the acid and it makes such a difference. <laughs> And then, yeah, you just dish it up, but you crumble over some feta, scatter over these hazelnuts, which just like make such a difference for adding a bit of texture in an otherwise quite like soft meal. And then um, the remaining mint leaves. You said you like to finish it with a splash of Tabasco, which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah I love Tabasco and risotto. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Delicious. Um, and this was great too. And yeah, I just... It was really flavorful. It was really fresh. It feels like frozen peas are like, yeah, vegetables are crap in winter, right? But like, at least with peas, frozen peas, you feel like you're, it's a bit springy or it's a bit fresher than just your old kind of like rooty veg that you end up eating in November. Um, and I thought it was great. It was perfect amount for two. We still had like a little bit left over, which we have for, or I have for lunch the next day, and it still tasted great. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I'm I'm gonna blend oh, my good. peas from now on. <laughs> that's my uh, one of my best mate pops's favourite as well. Oh, <laughs> that's really cute. Yeah, yeah you've got lots yeah. of little like dedications throughout the book, which is really cute. Yeah. I bet your mates love having you around. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Well, me and my uh, husband we lived with uh, pops for like five years. But well, I lived with her for five years, and then Ad moved into our house, into mm. the girls' house. Nice. So basically, those two were the chief recipe testers for Sunday. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah, the dream. Um, yeah. Vic, you mentioned a couple of other recipes that you would like to make. Was there anything else you wanted to give a shout out to? Uh, yes, the the braised butter beans with the herby yogurt. I mm. had all the stuff for that, and and I still have the stuff. What I mean by that is wine. I don't often. <laughs> have like white because you need white wine for the for the braised egg and that so I bought some like little bottles uh <laughs> you know just like people in the shop thinking I'm some kind of strange uh weirdo buying all these bottles but anyway yes so I, I'm I'm gonna make that at some point because I also have become obsessed with bold beans recently since mm-hmm. they've been available in Sainsbury's uh oh are they yeah yeah Bold beans are everywhere. What a like, what a yeah, revolution! Yeah, bloody yeah. hell! Yeah, yeah, so right. good. So that's on my list. Um, and the grandma pizza because yes. I can't, I can't, I can't turn down a lovely pizza. Uh, and your flatbreads because I'm also yes. into yeah. making like flat flatbreads at the moment. Uh, well, yeah, both those bread recipes I actually have to kind of add, which I do in the like the heast for sourdough baker. Um, um, so the grandma style pizza we actually developed because he made it and it was absolutely banging but it was this pizza that you had to turn and fold and I was like babe it's in the hungover section like you kind of just want to put it in a bowl and then forget about yes. it and then we redeveloped it so it's just kind of literally mix tip done nice. <laughs> amazing yeah I'm gonna do that uh Hannah how about you for your things you'd like to make yes lots um cheesy leeks on toast just mm. love a leek and anything on toast. Um, the miso yeah. corn rice looks really good as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, that's banging. Yeah, that's delicious. Delicious. Um, next level, dauphinoir. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, living up to the stereotype, but anything potato I am a big fan of. And then, <laughs> yeah, just all those desserts look really fun. The peach honey and yogurt pavlova looks just really delicious. Such a nice, like, summer dessert and the yogurt's like nice and tart with the sweet peaches I think that looks delicious um yeah loads I I really like it I'm gonna I'm actually gifting hopefully he's not listening no I don't think he's listening he doesn't listen (laughs) Um, he's not that good a friend after all but I'm gifting this book to my friend (laughs) who also loves um Sunday cooking uh Roberto so yeah it's uh it's going we're we're spreading the joy further out in the world I think you'd love the um, anchovy cabbage spaghetti as well. It doesn't have a photo, mm. but it's, um, it's you put um, like uh, raisins and lots and a little bit of vinegar. So they kind of lightly pickle, oh. and then you fry mm. up loads of anchovies, garlic, and cabbage, and then you add the spaghetti, and then the kind of lightly pickled shallots and raisins. It's really delicious. Ooh. That sounds mm. like we would both love that. 
yeah, yeah. we love anchovies. Um, it's my one exception to being yeah <laughs> vegetarian. <laughs> I mean that's fair. Um, what? Just as a little a little salt bomb, right? It's fine. You yeah, know, it exactly. It's, not really, it's fine. Can you they're tell fine. them that yeah. as they're swimming through the sea? Like, <laughs> as you're bashing them with your mango. <laughs> so fun, so fun. <laughs> um, what's next for you, Sophie? What's any more cookbook plans? What, what are you up to for the next while? Um, so um, me and my husband actually have a company called Scramble. So we do um, basically um, catering. So we do like hen parties, weddings, birthday parties, all that. So next year we've got a lot of um, really amazing, uh, lots of weddings we're cooking for from recommendation. Nice. Um, and then we've actually got um, a couple of writing projects out very soon, which is so exciting. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of pitching for new cookbooks. We've just done a uh, pop-up restaurant in Old Street, which was Ooh. quite fun. So, Amazing. yeah, it's all, yeah. And then obviously having a baby at some point and then probably life-changing forever. But <laughs> incredibly naive to that fact. So. Cross that bridge when you come to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that baby's just going to be, like, stuck to your hip as you're in the kitchen. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I've got, like, a catering job this weekend. I'm getting, like, progressively more pregnant. I'm just like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> just, um, Vic, didn't you um, once cook with Marcus on your front when yeah. <laughs> and he like put his head a bit too close to the oven <laughs> I put the oven to guess them and I was like oh shit because he's just asleep like you after a while you're just getting on with it and I was like oops <laughs> hot air. he's fine though like he's made it to yeah. two so <laughs> um and I just I guess before we go Sophie you we would love to know your favorite cookbooks of, of yeah. all time what what do you what what ones do you love okay so I actually love do you know the duck soup cookbook by Claire Patak yeah oh. yeah um just because I was obsessed with that restaurant and it's really it's got some really interesting cool techniques in there which I really mm. love um I love like plenty and plenty more mm. like I feel like everyone does I love Georgina Hayden's stirring slowly Yes. That's one which I always return to. I think it's such a beautiful cookbook. And I think the way she writes, she's just an amazing recipe writer. Yeah. I think we love like, her. Great. Yeah. We love her. Yeah. We did um, Nistissima for the podcast, and it's so good. It's such a. Yeah, yeah she's great. Yeah. We love you, Georgina. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's some really cool cookbooks coming out there. I think it's like a good time for a mm. like, different generation of writers. It's really cool. Yeah, and really exciting, yeah. like different, diverse cuisines as well. Like exactly, um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's really exciting. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Sophie. It's been such a joy having thank you here. You. Oh, no, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we love Sundays. We'll we love Sundays. Uh, yeah, so that is out. Is it out now? Everywhere in all countries. Mm, it's out in Australia and America and here. Great. Thank you. Yeah. There are yeah. there are three biggest ones. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> uh, and uh, what's your Instagram so everyone can go and follow you? Oh, thanks. Sophie on a plate. <laughs> Lovely. And so go yeah. follow Sophie by her book. And uh, yeah, well, if if any of the we we always if we can find them online and they're uh, available, we will put the recipes on our website. Uh, so we'll do that for these ones that we've talked about um but yeah if not go by the book and thank you so much sophie for joining us no thanks for having me on screen great (laughs) well i was listening to your guys' podcast when i was doing a catering job last friday and it actually kept me going for like the whole day because now i want to um buy the vegan baking book because those (gasps) um what were they those um did you say the the lamingtons are oh, they, yeah they, they sounded insane they're so, so good yeah. i would really really recommend mm-hmm. them and great for like vegan yeah any if you have to do any vegan desserts for catering or whatever i feel like oh well, yeah exactly they're so good and they keep really well so i would yeah that book is great yeah. actually that I think book that's is such a good great yeah yeah we loved it yeah only so many times you can make a vegan chocolate tofu mousse yeah. <laughs> i know i know i feel yeah. like he's really up the game <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. that's good and it's like we talked about it on the podcast but yeah it's not too 
there's no weird ingredients or like strange mm-hmm. things like it's all very like you know natural like stuff yeah. you can just buy and i'd like yeah i've made those and yeah, cookies like five times since we did the pod i love them yeah, so no, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well thank perfect. you for listening. Um, <laughs> <No>, thank <laughs> all you guys for listening too. We'll be back soon with our next episode. Thank you, Sophie. Right, thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cookbook Circle. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a review as it helps others to find us and enjoy us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram at Cookbook Circle, where you can also get in touch with us, let us know your thoughts, feedback, ideas for episodes, whatever you like. We really love to hear from all of you. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.